Hello, and welcome to Para Sa Pinay, a podcast by Akong Filipina. I am your host, Therese Perucho. This episode is about Filipino representation in Canadian politics. In the 2016 Canadian Census, 837,130 people reported being of Filipino ethnic origin. This data showed that Filipino Canadians constitute the largest group of Southeast Asians in Canada. Although there are so many Filipinos in Canada, unfortunately, not many of them are involved in politics. Because of this, Filipino Canadians are underrepresented in Canadian politics on municipal, provincial, and federal levels. There have been Filipino-Canadian political trailblazers, such as Tobias C. Inverga, who was the first Filipino-Canadian senator and also the first Filipino-Canadian elected to the city of Toronto in 2010. And there was also Dr. Ray Pagtakan, who was the first Filipino-Canadian member of parliament between 1988 and 2004, and he was also the first Filipino-Canadian cabinet minister between 2001 and 2004. While there is some Filipino representation in Canadian politics, it is not enough. With our guests, we will be discussing why Filipino representation in Canadian politics is low, why it is even important in the first place to get involved in politics, and how listeners can get involved. So today, we will be talking with uh, Councillor Rowena Santos, um, who works in Brampton in Wards 1 and 5. And we also have Paul Sagil, who is the director and co-founder of the Filipino-Canadian Political Association. So welcome to the both of you to the Parasapinai podcast. I hope you're both doing well today. First, I will just get both of you to introduce yourselves a little bit more in depth. Councillor Santos, maybe if you want to go first and then we'll go to Paul. Yeah, thank you. And maraming um, salamat. And thank you, Mabuhai. I know that is um, a very um, taglish accent I have there. <laughs> but we, maybe we'll go into more detail as to why that is. I am Councillor Rowena Santos, Regional Councillor in the beautiful city of Brampton, Ontario, representing Wards 1 and 5. And very, very happy to be here with our fellow Kababayan listening in and other generations of, of Filipinos who are also tuning into this podcast. Very nice. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. And Paul, if you would like to go next and uh, let the listeners know a little bit more about you. Hi, everyone. Magandang uh, umaga or magandang hapon, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure and a privilege to be here with uh, uh, Therese and uh, Councillor Santos. I'm uh, one of the directors and co-founders of an organization called the Filipino-Canadian Political Association. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the podcast, uh, but just, uh, just to round out my background, like Councillor Santos, I'm actually a Brampton boy at heart. I grew up in Brampton, in and around her ward. Um, so I've been involved in a lot of community advocacy in the greater Toronto area and across Ontario. Uh, I'm a lawyer by training, and uh, I work uh, in regulatory compliance as my full-time job. Very nice. So thank you both for those introductions. So now we'll go a little bit into these questions. Some of these questions were questions that I created myself, but also some questions that uh, members of the Filipino community have been asking. And I've heard these questions from them, and I thought I might as well ask the both of you about these. So uh, the first question is also just kind of like an introductory question. So why did both of you decide to get involved into politics? And how did you end up 
to where you are today. So what was your pathway to your career at this moment? Yeah, and thank you for for that question. Um, It's been such a a journey, my career in terms of, um, and I forgot to mention that um, I am the first Filipino elected in 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 Brampton. Totally forgot that, and 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 um, I know that folks want uh, us and the Filipino community in particular want us to be um, a little bit more mayabang when it comes to certain things and leadership roles. But the time is now for the community to be supporting each other and making sure our voices are at these various tables. And so I very proudly say that I'm the first Filipino elected in Brampton and I share that as often as I can publicly uh, because it puts us as a community on that particular stage. In terms of getting involved in politics and how I got here, I never thought that I would. It was never my, you know, I never thought, you know, when I was young that I'd ever be a politician. And in fact, I thought I was going to be an accountant. Um, like my dad and like other members of my family. But my Lola taught me and my my titas and titos taught me something very valuable in my life, which is uh, the spirit of community and giving back and wanting to make a difference in the community. And um, throughout my career in the private sector and then working at Queen's Park or even in the nonprofit sector, there was always this passion to want to make a difference. And part of that passion to make a difference, I found there was a gap um, in leadership in politics, specifically for the Filipino community and the voices of of Filipinos. You know, I think back to when I helped with Peggy Nash back in 2006, and there was an ongoing conversation about PSWs and, and, and the Filipino community. And there was also conversation at that time when I was 28 years old about caregivers and nannies in, in, in the community. And unfortunately, it was all, you know, folks who didn't look like us who were speaking up on our behalf. And so given that, and given the, the lack of representation in public office from the Filipino community from 2006 onward, I worked in public service at Queens Park, but also decided to in 2018 as well, run for myself here in Brampton because Brampton and Peel region has one of the fastest growing Filipino communities in the country. So that is, uh, that is a, in a nutshell, the reasons why and, um, and how I got here today. Very, very interesting. Like from other politicians that I've heard speak, a lot of them say, oh, you know, I never thought of being a politician. Like I told myself, oh, I never do this. I'd never, um, you know, run for being MPP or something like that. And then they end up in that position. So it's always interesting to hear how politicians end up in the position that they're in. Paul, uh, same question. So uh, why did you decide to get involved with politics and how did you end up where you are today? It's funny, the more time I spend with Arena, the more I realize we have so much in common. Um, my mom's an accountant as well, right? And so uh, I didn't realize, um, you know, kind of like what, uh, what you just mentioned, I didn't realize that I would end up in this position. So we're recording this uh, in the middle of May uh, and it's about uh, almost to the date, 30 years since my family and I arrived in Canada and we first uh, settled in Brampton. Um, and at the time, you know, my parents just came here because they, they wanted a better life for their kids. Um, and, you know, they wanted opportunities for us that uh, we may not have had. And but also one of the interesting things that I learned about sort of my family history is that we came here sort of um, just after the people's uh, people power revolution in the Philippines. And my dad had been one of the students or like, uh, you know, young activists uh, involved in that. 
And so you might have you might have thought with with all of that, I, I might have always thought about politics, but actually it's not the case. Where right? it's it's more organic and, and kind of like what Councillor Santos said, you know, you kind of find yourself um, being involved in various things over the course of your life, and then you realize um, that um, the things that you've been doing lead up to um, you know some organic development or organic uh, path to, to to politics. In my case, that's because you know, as I said at the outset, I'm a lawyer by training. I've been involved in a lot of uh, professional organizations, um, you know, and um, with my job now at the bank, fighting for um, inclusion in, you know, professional spaces, inclusion in sort of the broader Canadian society, uh, whether that's access to legal education, access to employment opportunities for visible minorities and other marginalized groups, you know, fighting for human rights, uh, equity, um, and inclusion in uh, in all sorts of spaces, um, and I've served on community organizations, on boards of uh, community city agencies, not for profit organizations, and all of that just led me to start thinking about, well, I'm doing all of this advocacy, you know, to to help change policy and potentially change laws, you know, why wouldn't I, you know, think about doing that on the other side? And then the other thing that really prompted this and what we can talk about a little bit with the founding of the Filipino Canadian Political Association is knowing that there are people like Rowena, but there's so few of us. There are so few Filipino Canadians in politics. And why is that? And so those sort of twin motivations was really trying to, you know, take advantage of the, the experience that I've had, but also trying to make a difference in the fact that there are almost 1 million Filipino Canadians all across Canada. And yet we only have really a handful of Filipino Canadian politicians, and it's about time that we change that. Yes, yeah, I was looking through some statistics before, you know, we recorded this podcast, and I was trying to see how many Filipino Canadians were on, you know, city councils, how many were in different provincial governments um, who were MPs uh, in federal government. And there were some, which is, you know, great, but there weren't many. Compared to other groups, there were not many Filipinos who were being represented in politics. Before we go on to the next question, Paul, do you mind just telling us a little bit more about the Filipino Canadian Political Association and how uh, that was founded? Absolutely. So um, a group of us um, have been involved um, in politics in, you know, in various capacities. You know, a couple of um, us uh, who, you know, were involved in uh, federal um, riding associations. Uh, some of us were involved as staffers, uh, just like Councillor Santos used to be, um, you know, staffers to politicians. Uh, and some of us are just community advocates. And, and sort of this roundtable of, um, of volunteers, uh, you know, from, from the Filipino-Canadian community thought, you know, what, what's the gap? What's the gap that we need to close? What are the things that, that's preventing um, the Filipino-Canadian community from being more engaged and active in politics? And different iterations of this type of organization have, have come and gone over the course of time and, and something just not caught. And, and that's something that we're trying to change. Um, and I think what we put our heads together was really just combining the experience of being a staffer, the experience of working in riding associations and the experience of, you know, some of us who have tried to seek nominations and run for office and drawing out the lessons from that and, and sharing that, sharing that with the broader community and, and having an opportunity to provide that broader civic education for people who are interested in politics, but also creating what we'd say is uh, sort of a, a pipeline or a, or a training ground for people who might be themselves interested in, in doing that. 
And so, you know, we decided that the best vehicle for that was to form a not-for-profit organization. Um, and we've been doing some um, outreach through the media. Uh, we've gone to Filipino-Canadian organizations and, you know, uh, partnered with them to, to deliver panels and, and, and things like that. But we've also been advocating. And uh, one of the things that um, our, the co-director, co-founder Grant Gonzalez has done uh, has been really active in, uh, in thought leadership in the media writing op-eds and then writing to uh, political parties and their leadership about this deficit in representation. And, uh, you know, with all of these combined efforts, what our goal is, is in in the upcoming elections uh, here in Ontario, perhaps across Canada and, you know, in uh, in different municipalities, is to to help generate the interest within the community. First, to actively vote and, you know, participate in the process. And then second, for potential candidates to actually you know, identify themselves, step forward, and we can give them support uh, along the way. And uh, our goal is to to make this, you know, kind of like other similar organizations that exist for uh, for other communities, uh, like CJ PAC for the Jewish community or Operation Black Vote for the Black community. They've been, they found themselves very successful in in mobilizing their communities, and we want to do the same thing for the Filipino community. Mm-hmm. And it's desperately it has been desperately needed, right? Like, I think that. Um, the political side of, of things and organizing within the Filipino community um, is so desperately, I, as an organizer for uh, at Queens Park and, and for various elections in the past, um, I have helped and seen how various other communities have organized, particularly here in Branton. And when they are organized, when we are organized together, you win campaigns and you get your representation at the table. And so organizations like what what Paul um, has co-founded or founded are are so important. We are, as a Filipino community, so good and so organized with singing competitions and ballroom dancing competitions and basketball competitions. I wish wish that we could um, be just as, and we're getting there, we are really, really getting there when it comes to having our voices at the table and not, not just singing voices. <laughs> Both singing voices <laughs> and other voices too. Yes, very good point. And Paul, you know, it's great to know that there's organizations like the one you co-founded that are out there and that are doing really good work for the Filipino community and getting the Filipino community involved. So that kind of connects to my next question. So how do the both of you feel about being one of the few Filipino representatives or political representatives, I should say, in Canada? Does it make you feel happy that you are one of the few or do you also feel sad because there's only a few of you? Um, I feel both. Um, I'm happy that we have a voice and, and more voices at the table, but I'm also sad because it's lonely, um, you know, and um, when I go and I've shared this in, in other media, in other events, when, when I get on a Federation of Canadian Municipalities board meeting or different meetings on Zoom or in the past in person, I still find that I'm usually the only sometimes person of color who is in that room and contributing, which puts a lot of pressure on somebody like me. And and I feel like I I have to speak up all the time in order to get recognized because um, I don't look like anyone else or my perspective is very different. And sometimes my perspective is contrary to what people are discussing at the table. And so, so the pressure is real and the pressure is, and and the experience is lonely. Um, And, but, I am hopeful 
at the same time. Like I can't keep saying over and over again when I see all of the young people, when I see um, Paul uh, stepping up and other folks, Lou Rose Mercator, another example, who are stepping up um, and being more visible and taking on those active roles, it makes me, uh, that's where my sense of pride is. And, and, and the opportunity for me uh, in my role to make more space at the table um, for our voices to be there. Um, so yeah, so that it's, it's sad, it's happy, it's lonely, but hopeful. <laughs> yeah, it's good to kind of have an optimistic point of view for the future in regards to that. And um, Paul, what do you think? Well, I, I, I shared this, the sentiment uh, that Councillor Santos said, you know, it's, it's, there, there's a sense of pride, definitely, um, you know, I, I suppose uh, for being one of the first and only and or one of the first and the few. Um, and we know we're like almost every time that somebody gets elected from the Filipino Canadian community, it, it's history breaking, right? Councillor Santos said, you know, she's she's made history by being the first uh, Filipino elected in Brampton, but really in the GTA, um, you know, as a, and that's one of the biggest sort of spots for Filipino Canadians to, um, to settle in and migrate. Ironically, we've had success in the Yukon where p- people would be like, the Yukon, there's Filipinos in Yukon, but uh, we've had, we have actually both a city councillor or a municipal councillor and a member of the provincial legislative assembly in the Yukon. Um, you know, in Winnipeg um, and Manitoba, obviously, I think that's another sort of big spot for Filipinos. And there's been a, a, a great history there of uh, representatives, starting with the very first uh, parliamentarian, um, Dr. Ray Pagtican. Um, but it's been 17 years since Ray, uh, Dr. Ray uh, retired. And there's, um, there's been nobody elected to parliament from the Filipino community since his time. Of course, we know Senator uh, Tobias uh, and Vargas was, uh, you know, appointed to the Senate. But since then, there has been no presence uh, at the federal level for Filipinos. And we know, obviously, out west, uh, we've got Mabel Elmore uh, in B.C. And so, you know, it's, it's definitely a sense of pride. Whenever I think of these names, whenever I think of, uh, of all these folks, I feel very proud to, to know them and support them. And I know there's others uh, down the pipeline who are uh, seeking office. I know of a candidate in Montreal who's going to be seeking office. And I know of a couple of candidates in Alberta who are going to be seeking office. And I myself have, uh, have um, decided that I want to pursue, you know, a potential nomination in Brampton, where I grew up. Um, and I'd be, you know, I'd be so happy to be able to work with Councillor Santos to work for not just the Filipino Canadian community in Brampton, but um, across um, across the ward, across the riding, for all of the communities there. But I don't want it to stop with us. I really don't. And that's sort of the the whole point of the FCPA and the whole point of all these efforts is to spark that imagination with with people. And what we're saying is, it might not be the first thing that you think about in your career. A lot of things. Um, happen, as we said, organically and might happen over the course of your lifetime, but don't rule it out. And in fact, when the time comes and you might very well be tapped by your community, by your party, by, you know, community groups that you're involved in, don't say never and don't say no right away. Think about it because it might well be the, the best thing that you can do to serve your community is to stand up for office. And that's what we hope to do by, um, by setting this example. And sometimes it it starts with just getting involved in a campaign or an election, right? Like in the many campaigns and elections I've been involved in over the past whatever, 15 years, I it's very 
you know, seldom that I actually see Filipinos who are campaigning politically, right? Um, I think that's changed significantly now over the more recent years. And so if, if folks, especially our young people, if they want sort of a taste of how exciting a campaign is, how exciting it is to be an organizer, how exciting it is possibly to be even a candidate, get involved and, and try it out. And, and now that Paul has shared that he's running himself, you know, you've now got two potential Filipino elections to be volunteering for and then and, and to, to be part of the movement, part of, part of us getting more Filipinos elected. Yeah, and I was, uh, talking about getting involved, I will talk to the both of you about that later towards the end of the podcast. We'll, if possible, we could provide some resources for uh, people to be able to get involved in uh, politics if they do identify as being Filipino. But now for the next question. So why do you think that Filipino representation in politics, specifically in Canada, is low? Is there a specific reason for that? Or is it uh, many different reasons why? What do you both think? Um, it was um, somebody from Phil Casa, Daniela from Phil Casa, who's also in Brampton. She she brought up to me in one of my, my mentorship meetings with her, we were discussing this question. And I think in part, and then Paul and I also talked about it as well, in part, it's because when we first, when our families first come here to Canada, the the sort of culture of the of the Filipino way is to work hard. You put your head down, you work hard, and you know try not to rock the boat, try not to uh, stir trouble. And and politics, in a certain way, is is kind of like stirring trouble and and speaking up and speaking up for your values, speaking up for for what you believe in. And so, I think when because we are um, uh, an immigrant community for the most part here, the, you know, the, the challenge has been overcoming some of those cultural norms and being um, okay and having courage to, to speak up and to rock the boat a bit. And so I think that's, that's, that has been one of the things that have, have stood in the way um, of, of more people actually seeking office and, and, and rising up. And, and I guess the other part too is just in general, we, I've never growing up ever, ever, ever heard anyone say to me, you know, you should consider a life in politics. Never. And, and I have never really had any Filipino mentors who have, um, who have, you know, shared with me the opportunities within politics itself. So there, there have been some gaps within the system for us in terms of seeing this as an opportunity for us. Yeah, there's uh, there's so many uh, factors that uh, that I can add on, but I completely agree with uh, what Councillor Sanchez has just said. Um, you know, I, I think there's a, there's a generational thing. So partly the the nature of the migration patterns that we've seen over time. You know, when the first wave of Filipinos came into Canada, they were in uh, in certain categories of, of jobs and exactly that um, what Councillor Santa said you know people felt that they just had to put their head down and work some of them were in precarious employment and precarious migra- uh, migration status and so not rocking the boat was part of their preservation of their of, of their livelihood and, and, and their chance at, at this life in Canada and so you know when you're beholden to an employer or when your migration status is unclear or, or you're not sure whether you'll get PR or citizenship, you don't want to do anything to jeopardize that. And so you just 
stay quiet. And then you kind of pass that on to, to your kids, right? And then your kids learn to, to, to stay quiet. And so I think there's that generational thing. There's also that sense of deprofessionalization that happens with a lot of migrants. So like, you know, Romina mentioned um, her, with her dad uh, being an accountant, my mom being an accountant, you know, my mom had to go back to school to actually be able to practice as an accountant. And that takes obviously time and years and that's time spent, you know, regaining that sense of professional livelihood that, that people have had where other people may, might not have had to do that in Canada. And so that's, again, that's a head start in, in a career in Canada that builds you or builds a profile for you to be able to then consider a life in politics or a life in getting involved in, in your broader community. Um, and I think, you know, that, that's, that question about mentorship is super important because I've seen it in other aspects. And that's why I think about the FCPA and the work that we're doing is very similar to the work that I've done in other spaces for um, inclusion of, say, LGBTQ students in, you know, in, in the workplace or inclusion of visible minorities in the legal profession. A lot of folks, you know, when, when they first come to these programs, they say, I never knew there were so many you know, Filipino Canadian lawyers or black lawyers, or I didn't, didn't know there were so many queer people working in finance or, um, you know, in marketing because they just weren't given that access. And so they couldn't imagine for themselves if they were going through school or if they were forming their career paths, that this might even be possible for them or that these spaces might even be welcoming for them. And so this is where I think having visible leaders, visible role models like Rowena is so important. Because if these conversations that people have, they, they can then see themselves in someone like Councilor Santos or like Mabel or like all of these other trailblazers and say, wow, like they did it. I can do it because now I don't have to do it from scratch. I, I can do it because they've set an example of how to do it. And that's what I hope the next generation, people like you, uh, people like um, Daniela that um, Councilor Santos mentioned, all of the you know, the wonderful, brilliant kids at Philcasa um, and all the other student organizations. This is what I wish for all of them, that they can imagine themselves in this position, you know, in, 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 in their lifetime and in their generation. So, yeah, talking about uh, representation, I know when I look at many of my family members who are Filipino and looking at the professions that they're in, most of them are either in some sort of like medical profession, like they're nurses or they're accountants. My dad is an accountant. Uh, so I guess we all have parents who are accountants. Um, and, you know, I, I look at both of my sisters, they're both nurses. And, you know, I was always pressured by my father when I was younger. He's like, oh, you know, both of your sisters are nurses. You're going to be the doctor. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know about that one. Dad, I, you know, I don't really like <laughs> the medical field so much. But the thing is, so many younger Filipinos see their Filipino role models or people in their community, mostly in, you know, professions like nursing or being PSWs. And I think now that you see more Filipino representation in like um, jobs that are related to law or politics, more younger Filipinos are gaining inspiration and thinking, hey, maybe I could also become a lawyer. Maybe I could also become a politician or even something else, right? It's not just limited to politicians and law. There's so many other careers out there that are available to anyone if you just put yourself out there, I feel. But yeah, yeah, like last night, last night I was on a, um, a career information session for the Asian community for Brampton Fire. 
Like this is an example, okay? And I'll share a story with you because Brampton Fire is really trying to diversify um, and uh, have more representation. As we know, firefighters are stereotypically seen as white men and straight white men for that matter. Um, and so at the city of Brampton, we're trying to create and represent our community in every single department at the city of Brampton, because when you do that, those perspectives become um, valuable in terms of your effectiveness to deliver services in the city that is 73% visible minorities. And as I was posting posters on social media about this opportunity for a career information session, we were bombarded with criticism saying that we were being racist around only having an info session for Asians. Interesting, right? Um, and so you get kind of um, attacked on both sides. It's like you're trying to be more rep representation, represented of the community. Um, uh, and then you know, you're criticized for, for, I don't know, reverse discrimination or what have you. Um, and then you're criticized for not representing the community. So for politicians, when it comes to policies related to such things like this and trying to bring more representation at the table, it is, it is, uh, it's difficult. It's, it, it's difficult because you're kind of criticized both ways, which is why, again, um, the more representation you get at the table, um, the more those voices and perspectives are heard. Yeah, I mean, um... Just to add on to that, you know, what we're seeing now is obviously Filipino Canadians basically making inroads into all sorts of professions within um, the Canadian economy and Canadian society, right? And I think that's a wonderful thing. Um, that's exactly why a lot of our families came here in the first place was to provide opportunities that um, kids might never have had um, back in the Philippines. And so you know, taking advantage and making the most of those opportunities is super important. Um, you know, one of our colleagues uh, in Brampton, Officer Michael Mallory, was just recognized for um, his um, service uh, during the pandemic. And I think it's wonderful that we have Filipino Canadians in law enforcement, because we know that statistically speaking, you know, there's there's always been a challenge with the relationship between law enforcement and police. And the more that we have sort of that community policing uh, mindset, I think it, it, it's better for the community. And so all of this is to say, like, I, I definitely support, you know, whatever people want to get themselves into in terms of their career. But I just want to also just recognize, you know, this pandemic has taken a toll on a lot of our community because so many of us work in healthcare and, and the front lines and as personal support workers, et cetera. And we're going to be clear, like, there is absolutely nothing wrong with pursuing a career in those fields because we know, like, People are literally saving lives. And so, um, but there is nothing inconsistent either with pursuing a career in that and then later deciding that you may want to do and get into politics. One of the, you know, uh, Brampton MPs, Kamal Kara, you know, was a practicing nurse and in fact has gone back to the front lines while she's doing her job in parliament. And so all that to say, like, politics doesn't require you to have any particular background. What politics requires is for people who are first and foremost, um, willing to serve as leaders and willing to serve and put themselves forward. People who have experience thinking about and serving community needs and being able to work with diverse communities. Everything else, all the different traits, all the different experiences, that's all plus plus, right? But the fundamental thing that people need to think about if they want to get to their career in politics, and in my view is, are you willing to put others' needs Ahead of yours, 
you know, and, and are you willing to, to make that sacrifice so that you can make your community better? And if that's your mindset, it doesn't matter whether you're coming from a background of a nurse, a personal support worker, an accountant, a lawyer, you know, a, a political staffer, all of that is welcome in politics because we need that diversity. We need that diversity in, you know, in sort of demographic representation. We need that diversity in backgrounds and skills. And we need that diversity uh, on all sorts of uh, spectra, right? Gender diversity, sexual orientation, uh, disability. And so what I really want to encourage, um, you know, your audience is that uh, to shoot for the stars. And it doesn't matter whether, you know, right now um, you're just starting out in school or you're finishing a graduate program or starting a career. Um, sky's the limit, really. And that's what I really want to encourage all of your audience to, um, to think about. Very great points that both of you are mentioning. Just one thing, though. So both of you are talking about the importance of, uh, you know, representation. And there might be some younger Filipinos out there who are thinking, why does it matter that we be represented in politics? If we're already just okay doing what we're doing, you know, pursuing whatever careers we want, why do we need to put someone who's Filipino in a political position if maybe they don't want to? What is the importance of that? Yeah, so COVID-19 and this pandemic, particularly in Brampton, um, which has been hardest hit when it comes to the pandemic, and Paul was alluding to it earlier, the inequities are significant uh, in terms of our uh, access to vaccinations, the healthcare system in general, the hospital system in Brampton, etc. The inequities are significant. And with respect to um, dealing with this pandemic, and I've been very open about structural racism and using that um, comment in particular as, as a way to describe what's happening to Brampton, our voices, I can say that because I'm a Filipino and, and I'm a woman of color. And I, and I could say that openly because there's credibility in me actually sharing that information growing up here in the city and seeing other cities like Kingston um, getting far more access to the vaccination process and testing, et cetera, than a community like Brampton. And even before the pandemic hit itself, Brampton has been struggling to get a second hospital. Brampton has been struggling to get a university. Brampton has been struggling in so many ways on, on different issues, on different policies that other municipalities around us seem to get access to no problem. And you know, the, the federal government has been really great. Like the mayor jokes all the time, like lately we've been getting um, every week, there's an announcement of, of stuff that we're, we're getting here in the city of Brampton, which is phenomenal. And, and I do give credit to our local representatives in Brampton at the federal level for, for fighting for that for us, especially on the transit file. Um, but when you look specifically at some of the other things that we've been waiting for, we have to fight really hard. And so representation is important because we provide that perspective that is missing from that table. Um, a perspective that I think if the majority of folks making the decisions um, are white, they don't necessarily know what we're talking about. And to Paul's point as well, the diversity in backgrounds is important as well. If, you're a if everyone is a political science student and they all become politicians, there's no real life experience you bring to the table. If you are a nurse like Kamal Kara, 
who comes to the table at the federal at the federal government level, she has that direct experience of what it's like on the front lines and is able to better inform policy. Um, you know, if you're a lawyer like Paul working with various marginalized communities and fighting for human rights, et cetera, like you bring a perspective to the table that is unique, that helps inform better policy decisions. And so, you know, that those are just some examples as to, to why representation matters, why Filipinos need to vote, why Filipinos need to help organize and why Filipinos need to run. Yeah, and I completely agree 100% with uh, Councillor Santos, you know, observations in this regard. You know, when I saw, for example, the, the hotspot postal codes, you know, funny enough, I think I've lived in about a half dozen or more of those postal codes, including some of the ones in, in, in Brampton uh, and Peel region. Um, and it, there's the correlation, obviously, between the hotspot postal codes and where a lot of, um, you know, racialized communities and marginalized communities live. And so this question about why representation is important, we, it's funny because the, the, the question begs, you know, why wouldn't it be important? Um, and, you know, I'm a philosophy major <laughs> by background, right? So one of the things that I, I, you know, I study is about, you know, what, what makes a, you know, a political system legitimate? And we've, we've had these conversations in the context of why is it important to have a diverse legal profession or and a diverse judiciary? And it's because laws are made and interpreted and enforced through the justice system. And if the people in that system aren't representative of what the system or who the system is governing, then that system, you know, suffers in illegitimacy. And, you know, it's great. We have one of our own, Steve Carroza, on the Court of Appeal, but he is the only Filipino Canadian judge in Canada. Why is that still the case in 2021? Right. Uh, a Filipino Canadian uh, Lawyers Network is finally starting and it's going to be kicked off on June 1st. But Filipino Canadian lawyers have been practicing in Canada since the 1980s. And so let's go to the broader context. Filipino Canadians have been in North America, believe it or not, since the 1700s. And in Canada, of course, the, the waves of migration really picked up in you know uh, uh, the mid uh, 1900s. But really, we've, we've been in, in, in this continent. For, for a long time. And yet we still struggle in terms of our voice. We still struggle in terms of getting our, our concerns heard. Um, and that's why I think it's important for us to, to have representation is because the people who, who enact social policy, who enact economic policy, need to have the lived experiences of the people that they're making those policies for and on behalf of. And so we have a representative democracy and that's exactly what it means. It should be representative. Um, but fundamentally, like it goes back to, you know, that grassroots concern, which is we know, for example, there's, there's issues about vaccine hesitancy. There, we know there's issues about access to vaccines. We know there's gonna be issues about the economic recovery. And the only way we're gonna be able to address that is if the people who are in power can speak to the people whose concerns haven't been addressed. And that's why it's important that we have leaders who represent these communities, because otherwise those communities would not feel like their, their voices are being heard. Interesting. So let's say now, whoever is listening to this podcast, they are now convinced on why representation 
is important uh, in politics. I know for me, I'm already convinced. <laughs> but let's say, for example, someone who's listening, they now feel the same way after listening to both of you. And now they want to get involved in politics, but they don't know where to start or where to go. So what advice can you give to Filipinos who want to get involved in politics in Canada specifically? And where can they look for opportunities to get involved? I do a lot of mentorship of youth, as you know, Teresa. <laughs> um, and so you could get involved right away if you if you contact and you you email. Um, uh, but also, obviously, I know Paul will speak about this. There is his political organization that exists that could uh, open the doors as well. Um, in my office, we're always looking for volunteers, etc. Um, but again, I'll go back to getting involved in campaigns and political campaigns. And you've got. Uh, a campaign happening in Brampton at the federal level with a Filipino who has been talking with us in this podcast. And then you have a re-election campaign um, for another Filipino in Brampton, um, which is coming up next year as well in, in October. And so, you know, I would say as an organizer, as somebody who's organized for many years and mentored many young people, it is a life-changing experience to get involved in a campaign. And so contact us and we'll hook you up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would be grateful if, uh, if, if people wanted to volunteer for my campaign. Uh, you can visit my web, website, votesigil.ca, and I'm happy to, uh, to talk to you about the opportunities. But more broadly, as, as Councillor Santos said, there are different ways to get involved. So there are, you know, actual election campaigns or re-election campaigns that happen. And so you can volunteer on in that aspect and you learn a lot. I mean, I've been door knocking, canvassing. Um, my first political campaign, I was waking up at like, you know, you know, six in the morning to to hit the subways with a candidate and then hand out flyers at a, at a subway station. Right. So um, you can get involved in, in that capacity. You can get involved in sort of the, the, the day to day um, running of a constituency office and reaching out to communities uh, in that way. Um, you can get involved on the other side with community organizations who liaise directly with politicians and who advocate for certain issues. And I think that's a, a different way of going about politics is when you do issues advocacy. Um, there are also opportunities um, that are being presented now. And, and thankfully, we have some generous sponsors uh, throughout um, not just the Filipino Canadian community, but uh, across our Canadian society for, for certain fellowships. So in, in Toronto, there's um, the Urban Alliance and Race Relations has started a Filipino Youth Fellowship, but also has been running a Muslim Youth Fellowship and a Black Youth Fellowship. And these are four opportunities for young people to get involved uh, with municipal politics. And I know that um, you know, there are similar provincial and federal programs that have been implemented from time to time. And I think with a combination of these things, uh, working in campaigns, working in constituency offices, working on issues advocacy, uh, or, or interning for uh, elected officials. There's there's so many ways for people to get involved, and the only thing that's really stopping you is time and uh, and the opportunity cost to pursue other interesting things, right? But all of that to say, it, it doesn't um, it doesn't stop uh, or start at just one stage of your life. You can be involved in one capacity, uh, pursue your your career and your vocation. And, and keep getting involved in other capacities over the course of your life. And that's how I've made my way in politics. And I'm sure um, others will, will tell similar stories. Um, you know, when we have more Filipino Canadians uh, running for office, I'm sure the, the experiences will be very similar. So I look forward to seeing 
some of you in the campaign trail, some of you as volunteers and for Councillor Santos's campaign or mine uh, or both, <laughs> some of you in uh, in on issues advocacy and we'll hopefully we'll be fighting uh, on the same side of a lot of issues because I think uh, we can we can definitely make a difference in uh, in Canadian politics. Uh, it's about time. Uh, we now are at a critical mass and I think it'll be a, a big change in the next election cycles when the Filipino community is mobilized. Yeah, so I will actually make sure to link both of your Instagrams uh, in the podcast description. And by the time this podcast comes out, there should also be a post on Akong Filipinas Instagram page that has different resources for people to get involved in uh, Canadian politics specifically. I think this brings us towards the end of our podcast, but I have one more question, a bit of an open-ended question for both of you. So the last question is, what do you think Canadian politics will look like in the next five years and the next 10 years? Will the House of Commons and different city councils look more diverse? Yes, I hope so. Um, I think that's what we are all organizing and um, and striving for. I've seen significant improvements from when I first started my career in politics in 2006 to where we are now in 2018. I've seen a huge jump in change on the Brampton Council itself from 2014 to 2018. Um, and so there is absolutely hope um, that we're going to see some better representation and more Filipinos at the table. Um, and I'll certainly be working my butt off to make sure that that happens. I think though that there are some challenges in the way people um, are resistant to change, scared of change. They like the idea of it, they like planning for it. But when the time comes, there's always fear. And so I think that in the face of that fear, we as a community of Filipinos and as people of color, uh, as well as other uh, sort of underrepresented groups have to persevere and support each other and not necessarily take the crabs in the bucket approach. If, if you know that analogy, um, we have to support each other because our country, our cities, our provinces will be better when we have more voices at the table. So I am hopeful. Yeah, I agree with that. Politics is a long game uh, and we've had our ups and downs as a community. Uh, but I do think the next uh, several years we'll see uh, tremendous success all across the country, you know, with, uh, with the awareness that we're raising and, uh, you know, the new generation of, of Filipino Canadian leaders, I believe we'll have representatives in legislative assemblies in every province uh, at some point, uh, certainly on the city councils with, uh, with major Filipino Canadian populations. Um, we might even have uh, a Filipino Canadian mayor in the next uh, in the next decade, uh, and I I hope that um, you know Dr. Ray Pagdekan's legacy you know doesn't end with him. Uh, I hope we'll have um, Filipino Canadian representatives in Parliament um, in the next election cycle, and if it happens to be a history-making one with the first one from Ontario, that would be great. But it would be great to see a Filipino Canadian. Um, in various provinces across this country representing representing in Parliament. Uh, and I hope, uh, you know, to see some of your audience members uh, in that pipeline uh, in the future. Yes, for sure. Well, anywho, it was fantastic having this conversation with the both of you. I felt like I learned a lot. I always feel like I learn a lot <laughs> when I talk to the both of you. And I hope that the listeners of this podcast also learn a lot. So like I mentioned, I will tag... Councillor Santos and Paul's Instagram uh, accounts to 
the podcast description and there should also be a post up on Akong Filipina by the time you are all listening um, in regards to Filipino representation in politics. So thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedules and I hope you have a fantastic day. Thanks so much, Therese. And I want to say we should say thank you to you and all the young people who are doing this tremendous work and raising the profiles of uh, their atas and kuyas and their felt and their friends in the community. You have such a significant role to play in all of this. I, I won't sing Whitney Houston, but I believe the children are our future. So thank you for <laughs> thank you for doing what you're doing. Uh, thank you, Councillor Santos, for for setting such a great example for for young Filipina. Uh, Canadians all across the country, and uh, I really look forward to working with both of you, making our, our community uh, more successful in the future.